Omnis Protocol. I am Charles, also known as Omnis, and here with me today is Gregory Shad, the new LVO champion. Gregory, it's great to have you on. Hey, thanks, Charles. It's great to be here. I listen to your podcast a lot, and I've always wanted Aww, to be on. So. I appreciate that. Even though we both came from War Machine, we never got to record back in the day because you kind of came on the scene right as I stepped out and then just didn't quite have an opportunity before I moved on to MCP. Yeah, you dodged me. I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, totally random off the wall question because you and mm-hmm. Pat both stepped onto the war machine scene in a really big way right after I left. Did you guys ever get to play? I've never played oh. Pat Dunford, I don't think. I've seen him at events and we've chatted. Like, I've seen him at the WTCs and stuff like that. But uh, our team's never lined up. But he's always been someone that I wanted to take on. I assume you were at some of the lock and load world championships. Like, and so I assume you guys never, you guys always dodged there too. We did, yeah. I mean, I think the highest I went in those was maybe like fourth place or something. So I, I don't know how many times he's won. He he won that one twice in a row. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. never mind then. He's kicking butt. Yeah, <laughs> that was the one where I remember hearing. When I'm like, "Who's this Pat guy?" I'm like, "Wait a minute! Somebody somebody won it back to back with two different factions." Uh, that's something I actually really like about Pat. Is it seems like he is happy to just like swap into something new, just to like make things fresh or try something new, or he gets a an idea of like, "Oh, this seems kind of busted," and I'm just gonna like push yeah. it and like. <laughs> That seems fun. I, I appreciate yeah, yeah, that. Yeah. Maybe at some point we will have, you know, the 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 legendary Canadian versus the the legendary Englishman <laughs> um, to uh, duke it out at some point. Uh, sure. I, I don't know if I'm quite at his level of notoriety, yeah. but yeah, yeah, it'd be fun. I'd be, I'd welcome a game with him. It'd yeah. be awesome. I think it. I think it would be a as a spectator. I think it would be a wonderful, wonderful game to watch. So, yeah. um, all right. Well, on that subject. Uh, because again, you and I never got to record back in the War Machine days. Was War Machine your first game, or did you start playing something else and then ease into War Machine? What happened there? So in Nanaimo, Warhammer or War Machine? No, sorry, Warhammer is the yeah. bigger game. Um, and so I started playing 40k and Warhammer Fantasy Battle, and I generally just found that it was a little annoying because, like, I wanted to tune lists and learn strategies, and most of those guys were beer and pencils. Yeah. So that never really stuck, but that's how I got started with, um, you know, getting into miniature gaming. Uh, and then uh, from there, uh, I eventually picked up uh, War Machine in Mark One, and it didn't, didn't stick either because it was a little janky back then. For listeners, just to kind of put it in perspective, there's a lot of like super combo insta-kill things on both sides back in Mark 1. I'm not going to go into a lot of detail, but there's... Yeah, you could essentially lose in, before you get to take a yes. turn. Um, and that was not uncommon in that game, which was, you know, it was just a little too far in that direction. And then I played a lot more sort of the back half of Mark 2 is when I got back into it. And I got back into it fairly casually in Nanaimo. And then I moved to Victoria. And my casual play that seemed good enough for the game nights... Uh, was not good enough. Uh, I got invited to Birch and Bryce's uh, basements. They're two of the local guys that were sort of running the competitive War Machine uh, community in um, Victoria. They were just running games out of their basements that they wouldn't normally play at like the local club because they were playing too yeah. tough. Um, 
And so at that Shark Tank, I was like, wow, I don't have a chance <laughs> with what I'm doing. So I need to like go back and like revise my list and come up with strategies. And, and that was really fun being like the small fish in Victoria. Um, and that was again the kind of game where I think I played for like six or so months. And then we had a big event called Godacon. And that's when I was starting to tune my list a little bit more. And uh, I went to that and I won that one. Uh, and I, I kind of took the murderer's row path to victory where I knocked out like all the the people they thought we were going to win. <laughs> so that was pretty fun. Um, that was like my first big coming onto the scene for that. And then after that, I'm like, oh, this is good. I'm going to start traveling. Um, and I had a pretty great uh, tournament run since then, kind of winning Attack X a couple of years in a row. And um, yeah, and then eventually deciding like, oh, I'll go to Vegas. And I've had great luck at Vegas too. Yeah, basically it sounds like you in War Machine, you kind of, you started really taking over kind of right as the, right around Mark Three. Mark Three came out. It kind of felt like a, it was a pretty good reset. The game just changed kind of fundamentally. Yeah, fresh slate. A lot of things that were at the top were no longer at the top. And good chance to just kind of see. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I remember seeing you play a game back. In, it was like LVO 2019, something like that. Watching you play in a finals. Okay. And I was like, I don't know if I've ever met this guy before, but holy shit, is he good. <laughs> um, I think that was when I was yeah playing yeah. Scorn and they kind of overcorrected a faction. And I'm just like, well, this is busted. <laughs> and I told I told them and they ignored me. So I'll just take it to the, the finals. And that was a funny one because I didn't play that faction until that tournament so those are my first games with that faction um <laughs> well it seems like you have a you have a lot of kind of just miniature games fundamentals that kind of carries with you that allows you to kind of move from something pretty quickly into something else would, would you say that that's accurate yeah for sure it's it's a lot of overlapping skill sets and um war machine was really good for that because it the better players in War Machine were very widget based and like very precise in like how things go. And they were good at sequencing turns. So I think like knowing how my whole turn is gonna pan out, like most likely, like through just a combination of knowing statistics yeah. and being able to be like, if I do this and they do this and I do that, then I think I end on scenario one point ahead here. So like that is pretty important to MCP, I think. Because it's a, it's a really hard game to think, like, how is this turn going to end up? Because it feels so chaotic at times. And, and getting a grasp on, like, what's actually going to happen is, yeah, that's important. For sure. So how did you make the jump to MCP? <clears throat> did somebody pull you aside and be like, Gregory, I got to demo this game for you. You got you to gotta play with the Marvel Super Dollies. Jeez, uh, I can't even think what it was. It might have been my buddy Dave getting into MCP and being like, hey, this game is pretty fun. And me just kind of playing it and being like, oh, yeah, it's interesting. And I'm like, oh, okay, this energy, like, crackback mechanic is cool. And then, yeah, I played it very, like, casually and just like, ah, whatever, I can paint, like, a couple of superheroes. Yeah, yeah. And and I think, uh, I think after I played it a bit and, like, started losing some games and being like, okay, I need to do all these different things and there's this complicated turn structure, I'm like, okay, I'm getting more interested they basically bribed me into it because they're just like, hey, I have this Black Order affiliation. <laughs> like, you want you want it? And I'm like, I do love a villain. Like, I'm yeah. always rooting for the villains whenever I watch a movie. So, um, yeah, the I was just like, yeah, I'll play Thanos and Black Order. That sounds cool. And then I, I'm like, I'll just learn how to kill things in this game. And then once I understand, like, the mechanics on how to kill things, then I'll then I'll see what the rest of the game's about. 
Uh, turns out the mechanics on how to kill things is a six month journey. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, you know what you yeah. you've got you you have some pretty basic target prioritization and um, managing your own threat ranges and as long as you understand what the models do and there's not still there's still not that many models in mcp so you you truly started right about six months ago is that accurate um so i think six months ago is when i started like actually into guardians and i think for like a month or so before that was the like hey what does this game do like how do i do a demo game like I don't, and just kind of like poking at it and being like, yeah, maybe I'll buy models, maybe I'll paint them. So yeah, I think it was like really it was about six months ago, um, might be seven, yeah, but around there. Uh, so yeah. around half a year. And um, I've seen it before because I remember my first time going to Adepticon. I was playing against people that were I felt like were doing a really good job, and then I asked them how long that they'd been playing, and I heard six to nine months a lot, and I feel like that yeah. number. If you've just got some really basic fundamentals of wargaming, I feel like you can be a very strong MCP player in six to nine months. And I mean, I feel like you obviously agree. Yeah, for sure. But I've seen even more than that. I've seen people that play Magic uh, the Gathering. Um, I've shown them the game. And after their first like turn, they're just like, oh, I understand this game. It's like I have five cards or whatever. (laughs) And I'm just like, yeah, that's what it is. And they just start going. And I'm like, oh, okay. You you know how to play a miniatures game after like a turn? <laughs> like that's that's impressive. <laughs> yeah, I have. I was um, teaching my nephews. I think I've told this story on air before, but I was teaching my nephews how to play. And the second game, their neighbor came over, and he comes from a board game family, and mm-hmm. so he was sitting down to his first game. My nephews had played like one game each, and. He, without anybody telling him, he's like, okay, so Black Widow is going to grab this extract and then double move over here where there's no, no enemies. And I was like, I was like, this kid's getting it right (laughs) away. Like he's just, he's already clicked, didn't require any prompting. Like it just, it just works for him. His, his brain is already connecting to it. I was like, oh, that kid could be a problem. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's what's great about this game, too, is like, I think it's better than any other wargaming for learning how to play and getting operational. And I'm going to say that because you have this immediate response to the actions you're taking. Whereas I feel like if you play a bigger war game, like, you know, Warhammer or War Machine, um, you kind of do a bunch of movements and a bunch of little things. And then next turn, they check it all. And it's hard to tell what you did right and what you did wrong. And like, why did I lose? A lot of people are very confused as to how they lost games in those bigger games because there's so much noise around what's happening but if you take your you know you move your spider-man and he gets dazed and drops an objective you're like right he shouldn't have been there or you know you immediately get this response and yeah it's i think easier to learn yeah it's it's harder to dissect some of the bigger games where you're trying to step back going what did i do well what did i do wrong and that in itself is its is its own skill sometimes. And you're right. I think in MCP, it's certainly certainly easier to kind of absorb some of that. And then, like, I think maybe even Shatterpoint takes it a step further because you're scoring literally after every activation. So you're instantly knowing, you know, there's not even a couple of activation delay. You're just like, did this work? Did it not work? Um, and I think right. that's I think that's one of the things that makes the AMG games fun. Is just yeah. yeah, I think the fun level is like way up in this game. So like that's that's probably the thing I like the most about it is like win or lose. Like I'm just always having fun. 
I don't play games that I feel like are boring, like ever. I don't know. Yeah, I think that's true. Like, I probably like three out of five of my top five games of MCP have been games that I lost. Just like, oh my god, that game was so close. Oh, yeah. I, I like losing games. Um, like you know, at yeah. times. Uh, <laughs> Not all the <laughs> you don't want to lose. You don't want to lose the yeah. finals, but you. I, I think losing a game is like what fires me up. It gets me back into the the list making dojo. Um, you know, I, I try to turning. be really hard on myself with every game that I win and be like, well, what mistakes did I make? And like, what could I do better? Like, was my roster wrong? Were my cards wrong? Every time I win a game, I'm like kind of hard on myself with that. I did that but, in War Machine a lot. And I actually had locals tell me that it came like because I would start talking about it after a game. And I didn't even think about it in the moment. They're like, you realize you just like beat us and then you start talking about your mistakes that you made and how that comes across to an opponent that you just like, oh, I didn't think about that. I was I'm just going, how can I get better? What what stuff to to kind of fix? And I, I think that's a I do think that's important for a competitive player to kind of constantly be examining. Yeah, yeah. It's um I think the post game is like a really interesting Mm, I don't know, diplomacy section where like you want to figure out how interested is your opponent in wanting to talk about things to do better, how much do they just want to like be happy that they played the game, do they just need a moment to like chill out because you yeah. dice them, like, you know, you got to sort of dance around it. But I, I try not to make it, I try not to make that part about me, but then I'll, I'll just, like try to take some lessons for myself and break it down. And sometimes when I play an opponent with like some really cool attack, I'll be like, hey, like, you know, do you want to talk about your list a bit? Because like, I think it's cool. Um, uh, I love seeing a new list. Dustin's um, list, that, which is one of the players that you knocked out in the, the semifinals. But his his mystique brotherhood list, I just think that list was so cool. Yep. I think it was cool. I mean, I think I saw some of the, the some of the base elements of it because we played a really low point yeah. value. Um, because I didn't want to see his cool yeah. attack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that seems to, yeah, yeah, that seems to be a um, a reoccurring theme. I mean, whenever you want to play the big kaiju stuff, the more that you can force the low threat levels, the more advantageous it is for you. Yeah, yeah, they definitely like. I'm pretty kaiju focused. Yeah. I, I typically play three different styles of lists with all of my things, and all of them are revolving around which flavor of kaiju did I take. You know, um, so. Yeah, you definitely don't want to give people outs on answers to your kaijus because all of a sudden it's 20 points and then, you know, they just can't take over a game the same. Yeah, it is interesting to me how um, basically back-to-back LVO finals have had a really, really interesting decision at threat level. One of the things that we talked about last year was that the uh, Vince's opponent not choosing 15 to trap Vince out of getting to play Dynamo would have been really huge for the opponent and maybe big enough to swing it. And then this year, right, you actually had a really important plan for 19 that your that your opponent saw and was like, oh no, 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 no. We're gonna we're gonna play at 15 where there's at least an even playing field. Yeah, yeah. He didn't have the tools to win that 19 matchup. So it I mean He's seen it enough, but I think uh, a lesser Guardian player would have walked into that, and seeing it for the first time is pretty rough. Um, and just catch everyone up on that, that's at 19 points. Uh, I switch into Black Order, and I play Thanos, CGR, and uh, Red Skull 2. Uh, Red Skull 2 goes on energy mode the entire time, so he can't be pulled by superpowers, so he can't get incinerated. Um, and basically i just hunt their cgr immediately because i think at 19 points the guardians player grabs a cgr 
And almost entirely, if you kill that CGR, which you should with Death Decree and Cryo, then the game kind of just falls apart. Yeah, then it's like, you just can't go down that many points that fast. and That's the thing. And then, like, most Guardian lists, even at 19, aren't going to have two great answers to kill Thanos's and CGRs. And, like, Red Skull's not an innocent bystander either. He's He kills everything in Guardians pretty easily. Um, yeah, I think a lot of times, you know, uh, a normal Guardians list for that that has to, you know, they're playing the, the Hulk, CGR, Star-Lord, and then they add Bill. But as soon as CGR is removed from that equation, that's still a really like even though Star-Lord is a fantastic leader and Bill and Hulk are two of the best characters in the game, you're not going to come back from a six point deficit. You know what, Bill? OK, Bill does have good targets there because people are at least size three. But like he's often the thing you just yeah. ignore. You just say whatever, like you're not killing me. You, you can have that your one point or whatever. But like, yeah, I'm going to just work on fundamentally tabling you with killing your CGR and then killing your Hulk. And then like, what are you going to do? For um, sure. Yeah. Well, Greg, let's talk a little bit about the LCQ. Cause you had not won any qualifiers going into LVO. But you decide <laughs> that you want to travel to LVO. And did you know from the get go, you're like, Hey, I'm going to show up. I'm going to do this LCQ. See if I get into the invitational. Was that always the plan? Uh, yep. Um, I'm just like, okay. So it, I almost didn't get to Vegas either, just oh, as a yeah. heads up. On my way on my way down, my flight got canceled, and so I had to get a boat to a different airport. And then that plane got delayed by like four hours, so I arrived at Vegas 4.30 in the morning before the LCQ. I don't think um, it clicked in my brain that it was that close <laughs> to the start time. Yeah, so I slept for like two hours, and then it's LCQ time. And I'm like, okay, now I just got to win five games or whatnot. And yeah. Uh, but you're right. I didn't qualify. And the plan was uh, for me and my buddy, like, hey, we're going to go and we're going to both try to qualify in the LCQ. And then after that, everything's gravy. Um, so we were just happy to make it to Vegas. So that was win number one. Um, and then, yeah, it was always just like, let's see what we can do. Like, we kind of expected that we would be able to get the top 10 in the LCQ. Uh, my buddy Dave Brereton actually 5-0'd and that event, which was awesome for him. Um, he was doing... Very disgusting things with his iHawk list <laughs> uh, with Midnight Suns. Yeah. Rockstar. And I don't know. We've, we've played that a lot. So I think he knows all the little ins and outs and traps. And um, and I just played my whole, my same list on both days. So uh, just random, random curiosity, not related to a game. The LCQ was supposed mm-hmm. to start an hour earlier um, and it didn't end up in the document, correct? <laughs> so we ran it based on what the document said because I didn't want to start it when I had said so on the podcast and like Tyson and I had talked about it. And then what we realized happened was he had started editing the wrong document when he first was changing things after he and I talked about locking in timings. And then he's like, oh, I'm changing the wrong document. Switch to correcting the right one. And then that detail was one of like two or three things that just didn't make the jump. I'm curious, would starting it earlier have been worse for you or better for you? I mean, I think one hour or two hours of sleep is basically garbage yeah. either way. And I mean, we ended up staying out to like one that night because all the Canadians wanted to go out for dinner afterwards. And so like, it was just a long day. <laughs> it was a long weekend, yeah. man. It was... <laughs> yeah, I'm right. If you're not getting yeah. at least three hours, the, the anything less than three just feels like you're, 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 you just hope you actually wake up from it. Yeah, you, you just close your eyes and then your alarm goes yeah. off. Waking up is something I'm pretty good at. Like my alarm goes off and I'm 
I could play a game of War Machine in like two minutes. Damn, like I'm ready that's to go. Impressive. Yeah. I don't want to. I want to drink my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, what would you, what yeah. would you say was your was your favorite game of the Invitationals? And th- this is not including your loss. I want to talk about that separately because you did go four and one. But okay. of your four wins, did you have a particularly interesting game or just one that you really enjoyed? I had a lot of fun, and I think everyone that I played was like a great sport, and they were interesting lists. I'm just trying to see if there's one that was like against a list I'd never played before. I don't think I'd ever played against Web Warriors before this tournament. That's a tough one to come into a tournament fresh on. Yeah, and I never played into Wakanda, but that was uh, later on. So, like, I just don't have a lot of depth. Like, I know what I'm doing, and then I'm largely trying to guess at what they're doing. Well, why don't we talk about your round one game where you went 16 to 13 against Hellfire Club? mutant extremists and superpowered scoundrels so like an extremely high scoring game which is kind of an and probably an abnormal thing for your list did that did that require you to approach the game differently for sure yeah it's like a three turn game um like either way the game is ending on turn three basically uh so yeah we had to play just like this really like aggressive punch em up kind of game um, let me. Sorry, my memory on some of these is a little fuzzy, so I'm just going to bring up Nick's list here <laughs> no and see worries. what he was playing. Um, yeah, I mean, especially for a game where you, you know, have gotten one to two hours of sleep, and now you're playing a game that could really, really hinge on a small decision that's going to take place over the course of three rounds, like mutant extremists. I find it really interesting. Right. So this is one where he, he got really aggressive okay. on it is what happened. So like, obviously we've got 11 points that can be scored yeah. and he's just like, well, I'm just going to run you down. And I ended up taking my Thanos list with this and I took uh, Thanos, Gamora, Star-Lord and hmm, can't remember who else. Um, I don't think it was like, it might've been Agent Venom or something like that, but. Um, so a no CGR yeah. round one pretty sure i wasn't running cgr that round because gamora killed everyone <laughs> um yeah I, a lot of times Is this a uh, what if episode you i know. don't <laughs> uh yeah so what happened was he moved up and i was able to basically like get gamora in there turn one and she was able to oh geez i can't remember exactly what happened but she got up and was able to attack twice on turn one and she just like one shot Luke Cage and then one shot Captain Marvel. Oh, Jesus. And I was like, okay. And then like she was getting Death Decreed and she's one of the best models in the game to get Death Decrees and rerolls. So like she's got all the fuel to go off. Uh, and I managed to do that without giving up Pryo. So then turn two, she activates first and I keep Death Decreeing. Um, and so I take a swing at Captain Marvel and he decides not to bodyguard it with Luke. Because uh, he's like, well, I'll let her take one hit, and then I'll bodyguard it off for the second hit. Um, or I'll, after that, I'll Heroes for Hire, or yeah. whatever. Um, but I just one-shot Captain Marvel again. Um, and then he's like, okay. And then I take a swing at Luke, and I KO him too. Um, so, <laughs> um, so then like his scoring just falls way off, obviously. He's, he's down two models, and um, you know... 
Gamora is full of power and hasn't taken anything, and she's just like bouncing around with her little assassin leap. So yeah, one of the interesting Pretty things gross. with senators is just how much your your order of activation matters in a way that you may not expect because there's so many extracts on the table that if you activate characters who are holding extracts, you can end up in a position where you someone drops, but you have no way to pick anything up. You're just like, oh, yes. And so when someone like yourself who has that really high target prioritization, you can just mess with someone's ability to score. And in that, you know, you you make force a couple of key extract drops. Your opponent can't come back from it. That's the reason I play. Uh, that's the reason I play that one, because like I want it to, to be kind of like this quicksand in the middle where like characters can't grab two or three extracts and run away. Uh like, no one can really run, so I'm always getting punches or swings with Gamora. Um, she's pretty good at that mission, too, because a lot of times, like, she doesn't want to move more than once. Yeah. So every one that I was taking was web swinging or, like, that's why Thanos is there, too, because he can grab an objective and then uh, gem himself to a backfield uh, secure. Uh, and every one of his little cosmic portals on enemies to move them away can be, like, quite uh, debilitating because they, just, they can never get back into positions they want to be in. Um, so like in that game, I think Thanos wasn't punching at all. I think he was just shooting little energy beams at people to push them and then portaling them off of points and just like trying to stall the game out. Um, he was mostly on toad control, which is a very (laughs) weird thing to have an eight point model, like trying to control a two point model. Yeah. The the decisions we end up in. All right. Well, yeah. So you came out on top 16 to 13 on two hours of sleep. Hopefully there was a coffee in there. I assume. Yeah. yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, no, I managed to get some breakfast too. The breakfast place there was not yeah, bad. Pretty, yeah. pretty reasonable. Yeah. So your round three game, you're playing against Gray One Thirty, and this is your one loss for the weekend. And you said this mm-hmm. might be your first game against Webs. Um, I think so. Like a proper Web player for sure. Yeah. I've maybe played it once locally, um, but against opponents that typically are more willing to stand around and punch things and they don't go nearly as wide. Uh, so I lost um, the priority role and we ended up playing a 20 wide scenario, I believe, which I also didn't love because he went seven wide uh, and I was only four wide or so. Uh, and it was, uh, yeah, it was scrolls and extremists. So maybe that's not 20, but um, well, scrolls no, is 20. Right, level yeah. 20. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I didn't love that. Scrolls is probably my worst uh, extract, and I'm pretty sure he it was my extracts for this one. And there was like a chance I could have got researcher, yeah. or you know, even senators would have been much happier for me. Um, but yeah, it was uh, it was tough because you know he's wider than I expected and outnumbering me. Um, and the game started in a point where I was feeling really bad at the end of turn one because he grabbed two scrolls and didn't move, and I grabbed two scrolls and got pushed back. Ugh. Yeah. And I was like, have I lost? <laughs> like, is it over already? And I'm like, God, I don't know. So I, I think what kept me in that game as much as it did was he was quite scared of CGR and he was giving him a lot of leeway. Um, but with my scrawl pushes off the start of turn one, I wasn't on any of the um, extremist points. So I had to like run rocket up to an extremist point and then Miles just walked up and killed him. And I was like, God, like this is this can't be going any worse. Um, and he just got up slightly ahead on scenario. I think on like turn three, we like broke parity. 
Um, and after that, I was just like, okay, I can never, I can't quite catch him. I can get to 16 to 15, but like, that's not a winning play. Um, and I needed to kill his Wong. And for some reason, my whole team could not kill Wong. Uh, Star-Lord tried with two shots and he was just like, I'll take a point of damage. And then CGR tried and couldn't get him. And then Wong healed himself. And then Agent Venom came in and tried and he couldn't get him. I'm like, get off your point and drop your thing. <laughs> I have had a strangely large amount um, of games decided by Wong, so I I feel you. Yeah, it was yeah, like obviously he got to just 16 points yeah. on that turn, and so like any one little point would have been huge. Because if I bought another turn um, and it went one more round, I'm pretty sure I can just shut down his scoring and or at least catch up on scenario points uh, through attrition. Cause he was, he was bleeding out really hard because he was ignoring my CGR that game. And, um, that was a game where CGR was like running low on energy so that it could be a contesting model. And, and I made mistakes yeah. too, for sure. It's not just like it came down to dice rolls. Like there was one turn where I should have sacrificed star Lord's, uh, survivability to like just run at an objective. So I think instead of shooting at Wong, I should have just like ran at his objective, uh, and contested it. Because then, like, he would either need to bring his guys back in a range with my CGR and my Venom, which he wasn't going to do. Uh, or he would have to try to kill Star-Lord with Wong, which I also don't think he's going to do. Um, and so, like, that's what I should have done. Um, but for some reason, I was just in, like, oh, protect Star-Lord mode. He can hit and run and go to a spot that's safe. And that's what I did. But he wasn't really doing much. He was hanging out in the middle of the table, which was empty. And it just wasn't contributing to like actually a winning play. So just a mistake sometimes, but it was a great game. It was a lot of fun. Well, it's the one, Um, the one, one chink in your armor for the, uh, for the event. So I'm sure gray One Thirty is at home. You're like, Hey, I beat, I'm the, I'm the, I'm the LVO (laughs) champions only loss. And so he gets a little, little... I think he went five and oh in that event too. He, he kicked butt. Uh, he was a really good player and webs are tough for guardians. Like I know they, they talk about like, Guardians being their worst matchup, maybe because they hate getting hit so hard. But like that's Guardians' only game plan. They're never going to beat them on scenario. So like you're just racing to the bottom of who like can you kill them before they score out in three turns. Uh, so know. Gray One Thirty did not go undefeated, but he was the highest ranked four and one. So he was ranked third uh, overall okay. in the event. Um, right. See who actually knocked him out. He lost to. Uh, he lost to Ghost Deer in uh, the fourth round, so he beat you, and then unfortunately t- takes a loss to to Ghost Deer. Nate's Nate's a really good player. So okay, so you get to you get to qualify. Um, you were you were in that range where we had just enough drops that started to slot you in. You know, going into the event. Yep, I think I was like number ninth because like. My strength schedule wasn't super high for a four and one, and um, but we ended up taking yeah. eleven total, if I recall. And so you had a little bit of breathing yeah. room, but you, but you're able to get in. <laughs> um, yeah. In retrospect, do you think taking scrolls is a mistake? I think a lot of Guardians players would probably have Alien Ship or Deadly Legacy Virus in that slot, and if you were able to slow down that Webs player by one point. You know, obviously that's a that's a very different game. Do you still prefer scores, um, or? But I don't slow them down by one point because I only play my, I only get to pick my reds when I don't have prio. Because yeah. every time I get prio, I typically choose my blues. 
So if I'm playing my reds, it's because they're going first. So if I take a three scoring mission on a, uh, like, uh, portals or, or not portals, sorry, alien ship, and I don't have prio, what I'm saying is the team with the safe grab immediately gets a scenario advantage because they're going to get two to one on me. But all those are across the middle. So they can only really have one safe grab. And so that they'd have to leave somebody in danger zone. Well, they can ASM safe grab and they can bill safe grab. Oh, yeah, because if they're, um, if they're running both of them. But they can't do that and be seven seven wide against you. But they don't yeah. need to because now they're on the deployment <laughs> zone and they're winning. Um, so what Scrawls does, other than just adds a bit of like potential randomness, like yeah. if somebody grabs a scrawl and gets pushed towards me and they're not a safe grabber, uh, I get a free kill. Um, so I've got two chances of a free kill on turn one. Uh, but also, even if they don't do that, I can at least, I can claim two as well. So I get to hold pro- uh, parity on turn one, and I get to go up on attrition. And it's still a pretty low scoring game. So I think it's okay. okay. It's not my favorite. Like, I'd rather play researcher. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is a surprise I'd rather say, let's not play yeah. scenario, and let's just shoot yeah. each other. That's what I want. <laughs> um, no, I, I was not happy with scrolls because it's pretty random. But I don't think there's a third extract I really like. That's fair. Like, I think I'd rather play Senators um, because very few teams have taken the tools to be good at Senator play. And I'm not great at it, but I'm not terrible at it. So um, there's only one or two matchups where I don't like playing Senators into, and that's like mm, Midnight Suns, I think, are especially abusive on it. Because everyone grabs and then bumps away so everyone's safe grabbing yeah. essentially it's like <laughs> brotherhood obviously can build a, a pretty good team for it i was playing it with x-force for a bit and i felt surprisingly good at it but at the same time it always felt like you're on this nice edge of maintaining you know who's in control of the of that particular game and so i did not end up bringing it to wtc but uh it was really interesting i really liked playing it because it's it's something that almost everyone else is less practiced with because most people don't like playing it. Right. Exactly. And so like, I'll take that as well. There's a lot of um, missions that people are really happy playing Uh, like cubes. People seem really happy with playing Uh, hammers. Everyone takes. And I think that's a mistake. Like uh, I think they mentioned that too. And like just because guardians like to roll dice doesn't mean they want to play hammers. Yeah. You got to sometimes just the math of, being able to play the tactics cards when you want to play them is a huge deal. Most people who like playing hammers forget that there's a side effect. Oh, um, yeah, I often yeah. forget about that too. But um, like, I think a few people are asking me on that one, and it's just like, well, Thanos doesn't like to see hammers because he wants his damage reduction to be better. CGR doesn't want hammers because he can't pick them up. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Venom could like hammers, but you're right. He's got power issues and tactics cards like yeah yeah i so i i agree with you there i mean i i get why hammers is so popular but at the same time you you are i feel like you're just factually correct in saying that with how many people are playing it some of them are choosing it in error like that yeah i think so because you're just adding randomness to the game in a lot of ways because like even someone who's not like super hitty like miles uh if he gets two hammers like all of a sudden he's kind of scary um and you just don't know if he's gonna 
days a, a CGR or do something crazy out of nowhere because Marvel dice. I played a game against one of my locals, uh, Jacob Frelinger, and I had never seen someone use the Kingpin leadership so perfectly. Pat, like, and it felt like all of his characters always had hammers because of how well he was using the leadership <laughs> to like use an activation, use the hammer, and then pass it to someone else. Oh my god! It was it was such surgical. Uh, it, it felt like a weird Avengers movie where they're literally like passing off Cap's shield or whatever to whoever needs it in the moment, like yep. at the perfect time. I was like, "Damn, dude, that was rough." I love it. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's um, moving to the Invitational. So obviously, you didn't have a lot of time to think about your list. Did you make any changes uh, after the LCQ going into the Invitational? No, I am a creature of yeah. habit, and I would rather play something that I know how to play and have like some thoughts into. And also, I was tired. Yeah. I think making changes when you're tired is a mistake because you might just accidentally bring the wrong cards to the tournament, or you might, um, you know, you, you might just make mistakes. So I'd rather play something that I know how to play and can just kind of do on muscle memory. Um, yeah, and everything felt good enough. So and I mean for. For the listeners, if you if you qualify by the LCQ, it's I call your name and I'm like, hey, you're in. Uh, you got about five minutes to submit your list. Like at the point where stuff is due, yeah. there's not a there's not a huge window. Well, you've got time throughout the day, yeah. right? Like if you're going to make any changes, it's going to come after a loss or a win that was especially tight or something like that, and be like, oh, this didn't work, or I'm making this mistake with this mission or this card or. Um, the closest I, for one, I only brought those models cause I knew I was not going to tempt myself to yeah. change. Smart. Um, I like that strategy. And yeah. And also, you know, if you only have 10 tactics cards, you're not going to play the wrong ones or change anything. So, um, no, I don't think I made any, I don't think I would have wanted to make any changes. I didn't play beta Ray bill. I think the entire event uh, <laughs> or eyes, um, like they're in my list. And so like they were the most cuttable thing remarkably. That's, but uh, I think having the option is always fine. Well, okay. So we go into round one and you get to play against webs again. I do. Um, Lucky me. And you, you still don't get researchers. So you're playing on extremists, uh, extremists and extre- extremists and extremists. The most, <laughs> yeah. the, probably the most extreme game of mcp that you could imagine extremists extremists versus the hardcore i want to kill everything versus they would prefer not to make attacks and just score points uh and then you come out on top of this one what do what do you think what was the key moment that kind of let what was the most important factors that kind of led to you coming out on top of this game i mean it was definitely an attrition game uh let me just try to think what he was playing here um, he doesn't have a lot of fighting characters at all. Like if you look at his list, his like most fighty character is um. Jeez, I don't even know. He basically doesn't have anyone yeah. that can fight. He's certainly not so. It's all. Yeah. So this was definitely a CGR matchup of like you know I'm just going to try to kill everything. Um, I'm pretty sure there was a a lizard activation where like lizard was just like a little in the wrong spot. And that kind of set the tone for the whole game is how I remember this one going of like lizard, like grabbing an objective, but instead of just barely towing onto it, he was like getting into a position where he might get to attack something or do something next turn. And I basically got to like, you know, pull him into danger mode and, and then, you know, he kind of overcommits to try to like 
fight a bit or keep him safe or grab the thing he's dropping. And I can't remember exactly what happened, but like it was definitely just attritioning things that had already activated, keeping priority uh, and keeping scoring pressure up. Because if you just keep bopping people and making them drop their their extracts and, and scooping them up, um, you kind of force them to turn around and they've already run away. So they're in just a terrible spot. Do you remember what your team was? Because we haven't talked about a game where you played 17 threat. And so obviously you're playing Star-Lord and CGR. So that's nine. So you had eight more points. Yeah. So this one here should be... Usually it's Star-Lord, CGR, and then two four-pointers. I I don't like a lot of my threes. Um, And you said you didn't play Bill all day. So Yeah, it might have been... It probably was Gamora and Venom. I play them a lot. Um, I think that's what I was playing. I really like Venom into Web Warriors, so like he would have gotten in there almost immediately. Yeah, and, and Gamora seems uh, to do good work for you. So a little bit of a webs just can't kind of hang with uh, the extremists, and it leaves them a little too exposed, and you, all of your murderers are able yeah. to take advantage of that. And, and Gamora can chase down webs to some degree, because a lot of times she only needs one good hit on them. So yeah, like I, I think that's what I was playing there. My memory on some of the stuff is a bit fuzzy, okay. especially earlier on. But yeah, that that feels like what I would have done in a mission like that. So um, round two, you get defenders, which defenders was doing very well at this event overall. Not and I, almost to mm-hmm. my surprise, I I knew they were solid, but I think they were performing above my expectations. And you end up playing versus uh, Jeremy on hammers and demons at eighteen, and this is a game where you won it 7 to 15. Super close So game. I assume you uh, tabled like Obviously him. not close on scenario. Yes, yeah. I did. Yeah, that's the only way to do it. How close um, was that? And it was, like, did you like kind of barely get it? Uh, this, is, this was about as crazy as the finals yeah. um, uh, in different ways. So like at some point he had... Uh, like all the extracts and Luke Cage had grabbed two and like ran into my back deployment corner. And I was sort of giving him a thing saying like, Hey, that's my deployment zone. Yeah. Get out of there. Uh, and he like ran behind a building in my deployment zone and, and CGR was juiced on power for some reason. I think I was just rolling a lot of power every turn, but he had enough power to drive for five, uh, pull Luke Cage like out around the building because he got like the right yeah. angle, the 45 degrees, so that even though Luke Cage is touching a, a flat building, I can slide him exactly straight off of it um, so that I could see him. And then I shot him and like KO'd him there. But now I'm in almost my deployment zone. And he's got Miles in the far corner. Uh, Daredevil sort of near the center of the table, slightly towards his deployment zone. And my Red Skull had been out of position the entire game because he had just been getting like pulled and pushed by stuff and getting thrown. So he, my Red Skull was in his deployment zone as well. Uh, and he basically hadn't done anything all game. He got dazed early and was just kind of like trying to walk his way back into combat and nothing was going well. Um, so he was just like, oh, you know, I've at the start of this last turn, all he has to do is survive. And he's got a Red Skull that... Um, I think had taken a point or two of damage and Miles had, uh, we're playing hammers, I believe, right? Yeah. Miles had two hammers. That's what happened. And he was just like, Oh, I'm going to go and and finish off red skull. And then the game's over. So he web swings in kicks and spenders on red skull and red skull survives on one. 
And then I'm like, oh, cool. Uh, so my grunts shoot Daredevil twice and chip him a bit. Red Skull one punches Miles, <laughs> picks up the hammers, punches uh, Daredevil, uh, leaves him on one, but shoves him towards CGR. Um, and here I'm hoping that he's going to try to fight my uh, my Red Skull. And he's like, no, not so that. And he runs twice into his as far away from CGR as he can, because, you know, if he survives, he wins. Uh, and so my last activation was a drive five with CGR, move, and within range of my four by like a quarter inch, and I sh- shot and killed Daredevil. And yeah. Crazy. Do you- he, he went from being pumped up to, yeah, kind of deflating, which is fair, because like it looked like he had it, and I didn't know if I had the distance either. But like the little push that Red Skull got off of punching Daredevil, like basically won that game for me. Oh, interesting. Do you do you feel like he would have would he potentially won the game if he runs away with Miles instead of attacking Red Skull? Because he's so far ahead on points. If he just keeps Miles alive, right, he still wins. I think if he ran Daredevil not into like his where Miles was, but like a just like straight to the left, like further away from CGR and um, Red Skull, he probably wins because Red Skull's grunts wouldn't be able to move and shoot anyone because they're too far away. And Red Skull might be able to move and attack one of them, but like his guys are just so fast. And then CGR can't kill both. So yeah, I think he just wins if he did that. But it wasn't like a... I think the math was showing that it looked doable and he probably didn't think that he was going to die from trying it so yeah and that's the thing like you you see an opportunity where you're like if i roll a certain amount of dice right now the game is over because you there's then there's no way yeah it's a lot of yeah so he probably took like an 80 percenter or something and and came up short (laughs) and then i'm like okay like (laughs) so yeah extremely close game um i was definitely losing uh yeah the game just started slipping away from like turn one like for some reason Again, lack of experience versus Daredevil. I thought that like Red Skull moving up and grabbing an objective and putting his like no drag side up would do something, but it does not do anything. <laughs> <laughs> it does not do anything as a physical attack that pushes yes. you. Um, yeah. <laughs> okay, so uh, going into your round three, you uh, you get to end the day on a Guardian's Mirror, which spoiler alert ends up being your thing for this weekend. Um, Yep. But uh, this ends up being on a Gamma Wave and Research Station, possibly my least favorite combination of uh, secure and extract. I, I knew you would. Um, and so you have this yeah. nice low-scoring game that ends 8-5. Was this kind of like the finals in the sense that you played the exact same lists, or did it end up being a little bit different? Um, ooh, did I play the exact same list? He had... Uh, a CGR. No, he couldn't go... He couldn't play three tall. Or he could, but he... Yeah, I played three tall. I played the same list uh, with CGR. And I think he could have, but he didn't think I was going to. So he had priority. But I played three tall, and he was playing four. And so turn one was just about positioning and trying to, like, get one or two damage on his CGR. So I think I moved my Hulk in a way where he could get a CGR up to attack my Hulk and I'm like, perfect. Like I'm fine. If he takes a couple of damage, I need you to, I need to have a target. So I need to kill your CGR. So then my CGR just goes in and does as much damage as he can on his CGR to soften him up so that on turn two, when I get prio, I can pick him off. Um, so yeah, it's good practice for the finals, I guess. 
A little um, preparation. You're like, all right, I know I like this list. This is what I'm going to play into the Guardian's Mirror. So, yeah. Um, and all my tech is good for it, too. You know, uh, like I went in further and Hulk and CGR standing beside each other. Like they're almost always one of them has a ton of power to patch the other one up. So I think patch up's a really strong card there. And I know a lot of Guardians players don't play it. But if you're playing the big guys, it, it's really good. I think that's something where you coming in a little bit more fresh has the advantage because what you may not know from the history of MCP is med pack kind of was the the patch up for a long time you know it's just a two cost three heal and you can do it on yourself and so we had this huge time period where just like nobody played patch up really and med pack was the kind of card and i'm not sure that many people have gone back and realized just how much patch up actually it can be played at different times because it does not have to be played by the activating character and that's the big one. And that's a thing yeah. that unless you were playing really early on before med pack came out, I think there's a lot of people that just haven't used it that much. And they don't even realize that you can just be moving your character, then have someone else patch up like mid activation. And it, it it's in, it's an incredibly versatile card when you have a list that has the power to play it. Yeah. Especially if you're playing guys that are, durable enough that you don't think they'll get one rounded um because it basically makes your characters look invincible for to your opponent when they're like oh if i can't 100 percent thanos he'll get patched up for five and like i lose <laughs> so i won't even try and i'm like yeah don't yeah, try yeah, don't don't um, don't take the chance to win <laughs> just let me win. <laughs> yeah yeah uh, well, it's a combination of patch up and I play it with fallback almost every game too, because it's the same thing. It's just like, I'll let you get one hit and then I'll fall back out of range. And then like, you know, I've taken five, but thanks for the power, CGR will just wash it for me or vice versa. And so you're playing this like power washing, falling back, high energy creating yeah. game. So yeah, I think Guardians are a good spot to use it if you play the big guys. Uh, and it was it was big there because like you get a little ahead on attrition and meanwhile he's punching me back I can just like kind of weather that through a patch up because uh, my my CGR stayed healthy that whole game from what I recall so well I think and you you uh, what's your other restricted card is is it brace or yeah brace and that's something I yep. saw multiple times in like when we get to the finals game um, your opponent had sacrifice as their second restricted. And they never got a chance to play it, right? When you have... Nope, I'll never let someone play Sacrifice. <laughs> uh, I've got three big models that displace yeah. however I want. And like I just move them out of Sacrifice range. And, and, and yeah. that's my... Like, I, I made a hot take in my last episode that I felt like in the games that I was judging, the if I had to pick something that sort of defined uh, w what pushed someone over the edge, and I actually feel like it was tactics card selection where oh, uh, sure. you know yeah. when you got off right in the finals five you know a five health patch up and your opponent doesn't get to play sacrifice at all that is that's a huge difference when you're talking about two players like really playing at their best high end competitive play that's 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 a game making difference for sure, yeah. And like patching up the Hulk is probably the worst because his defense dice aren't as good. But when you're patching up characters that have really good defense dice, it goes a little yeah. further. So like CGRs love it, Thanos's. And yeah, just playing all your cards, like playing them early so that you stay ahead on attrition. 
uh, and don't lose activations. I think that's strong too. So that's why Brace is in there, because I almost always get to play it by like turn one or turn two, and it stops a daze, which means I get to push attrition a little bit more. Exactly. Because when I was losing games, I was losing games because my attrition plan wasn't panning out, or because my opponents were coming up a little short on dice, and then they could just throw something and like, you know, pick off a character on one or two hit points. So like, I'll play Brace to stop one damage if it stops a daze. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So you're round four. Uh, you're going to play against DeLuca, who is a prior LVO champion himself. Uh, I'm a little sad I did not stream this game, but I remember there being something really interesting <laughs> that uh, that I chose to stream at the at the beginning of that day. I don't remember what it is off the top of my head, but I do remember at the end of the day walking by and seeing how DeLuca was doing, and he, you know, he was just like, "All right, yeah, I'm doing well. I'm I'm undefeated. Uh, I'm playing against some uh, Gregory tomorrow." And obviously had not heard of you. And I was just like, hey, Mike, just because you haven't heard the name, uh, <laughs> he's good. He hasn't been playing MCP that long, but you got to understand this guy's got great fundamentals. Uh, you know, still, you know, it's sometimes it's easy when you just don't recognize a name to kind of step back a little bit. No, oh, OK, that's not like not as crazy. But you also realize you're round four of the Invitational, right? <laughs> there's probably not. There's probably yeah, a reason yeah. why someone's there. I, I could see why he would. I, I think he was feeling pretty good even in the start of his game because things were going pretty well on him because we were playing senators and uh, it was a it was the extreme game it was another extremist extremists yeah yeah um, and with senators um, it's basically like he had a lot of great senator tech that I wasn't like appreciating when I saw his yeah. list because like also I hadn't played against Wakanda I was like oh like it looks cool he's got all these spirit of Wakanda openers like I don't know if he's going to play a CGR with extra power or he's going to play you know this or that um and uh yeah he basically was like grabbing points and he thought he was going to score up like seven points on turn one and he's like cool I, I'm on a three turn clock um and um uh, that was another game that I think was decided by him not taking brace spoiler alert <laughs> <laughs> like he didn't um, did he not have brace in the list or did he not bring brace that game he had it in his 10 oh, okay. and didn't take it to, for that game um i don't know if he didn't expect me to run hulk but i was running rocket cgr and hulk versus his um uh he had asm panther obviously shuri okoye and black cat i think that was it yeah, it hasn't right. been terribly um, common for Guardians players to bring Rocket without Groot. That's like I would say over the the history of MCP, even as long as Guardians have been good, it's not terribly common that you see in a in a high end game where someone makes that choice. I'm not saying that you made the wrong choice. I'm just saying I maybe that was his thinking. They're like, oh he would have to bring Rocket without Groot to kind of like make the 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 Hulk CGR do it all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I know rocket and Groot have like little buddy stuff, but I never take them together. Um, they're not in my list. I don't have a single list in my 30 or 40 lists that I built with rocket and Groot. Oh, sorry. There's one. There's a 16 point Thanos rocket Groot star Lord, but I don't know. Um, interesting. That's a (laughs) little random, little tidbit for the, for the list. Yeah. Rocket is there for a Thanos buddy. Or two short points of CGR when I need two backfield sitters. And I, um, yeah. 
so what do you feel like but yeah, swung I, this game with Mike? Because obviously it ended 19 to 9, which is – I mean that looks bad just on the surface of numbers. But it sounds like it was a game uh, where you were at least concerned there for a little bit. Um, well, I was concerned because I don't know what things do. And, you know, when you have to, like, ask your opponent, be like, hey, can you pass me a Black Cat's card? <laughs> like, I just, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, that's, that's a good um, way to make your opponent feel comfortable. Like, if you want to do the mind game things, just ask them for their Black Cat's card. I wasn't. I was just, like, double checking. I'd be like, I'm not missing anything here, right? So Hulk, um... He ran up and he grabbed a bunch of objectives and then he used his extra power he got off of Spirit of Wakanda to web swing or pounce or whatnot yeah. onto the far Ds. So he was like, oh, I've grabbed four X-Tracks turn one. I'm on three points. Like, I'm going to score seven. Like, like this game's over. And I'm like, eh, no, Hulk, I'm going to shoot Okoye for one damage with Rocket. And then Hulk's going to move over to here and throw this size four building that she's on into her. And, oh, that dazed her. Cool. I'll, I'll scoop up that, uh, Senator. Thank you. Um, and then everything was looking fine until my last activation with CGR. He drove for one, walked into the position I wanted him into, uh, pulled two people off of points, and then shot Shuri and one shot her. Ooh, um, yeah. And I'm like, oh, you went from scoring seven to, like, three? You're um, like... In, like, my... Now, suddenly, <laughs> this game is looking a whole lot slower and a whole lot more dangerous for for Wakanda. And, weirdly, he had spread out with his, like, fighty pieces who have senators, so, like, they're not going to come back into the game too easily. Um, and at the start of the next turn, Starler decided he was just going to roll like a god, and he one-shot Okoye and Shuri, and KOing both Ugh. of them, picking up an extract and hit-and-running his way back to my backfield point. And he was just like, I lose, I guess. Like, <laughs> Maybe I'm glad I didn't stream this game. <laughs> no, it was, um, yeah, he was, uh, he was a little salty, but that's fair. Because, like, it, I, my dice just went crazy. Like, Starlight shouldn't yeah. just, like, roll seven damage twice in a row. Um, yeah. And there's, then, a, there's um, a degree of salt that you just have to accept in those moments. And you're just like, this is just, it doesn't feel good. It's not going to feel good to anybody. Yeah, and I think I think he just didn't like how much that CGR got done on turn one for like you know he displaced too many models while killing things and and that was a game again where CGR decided he was just going to run on low and power and sort of taunt this list that's not really going to attrition like you know you can hit me if you want to but I'll just start pennant staring so like instead he was just like um, well and obviously you, you to had to have a big power, and power roll right to start as well because you had CGR spend five power. Uh yeah he hopped once moved once and shot so I rolled three power and I started with one yeah because uh, he gets the power from shooting so yeah. not not too so, crazy but uh no if you're willing to move with CGR you can often do a double pull. Um, I think a lot of CGR players hate moving and they want to spend all their power just to drive yeah. around, which is fine for attrition, but uh, like, I don't think I would have got my play off if I did that. Yeah. Also, like... And then, uh, yeah, Hulk was just kind of nightmaring Black Cat because she didn't have Brace. So, like, you know, Akoya wouldn't have died on that first turn yeah. if he had Brace, and then there's another turn where uh, Hulk was basically just like throwing every building on the table at Black Cat instead of attacking her. <laughs> yeah, Black Cat does not like having shit thrown at her. 
No, no. It's bad news. All right. So you proceed. The only sad part about this is we had realized that uh, because Hyper Viper and Mike had played in the first finals for LVO post-COVID, and we thought that there was a chance, like if Mike comes out on top of your game and Hyper Viper comes out on top of his, that we could stream in the semis the the kind of rematch um, from the the first finals. But uh, that did not happen. Neither of them won. And... So you well, get to proceed. Yeah, and my buddy Dave Brereton was in the other uh, brackets too. So like the first thing we did was, because we both qualified, was we checked to see what brackets we were in and when we'd meet. And we're like, oh, we would only meet in the finals. <laughs> so we we're like, yeah, yeah. let's go. Uh, yeah. So unfortunately, that didn't happen either. No like uh, romance, yeah. crushing finals battle, which would always be awesome. But yeah. Um, yeah, so yeah, I got to play into some Mystique yeah, Brotherhood. And no no Magneto in sight. And you were probably very happy that you did not get extreme or get uh yeah, sen- you know, not have to play senators in this one and you got research station. I do love research station. Yep. He got the role. He won the role, I believe, and um, Yeah. Yeah, he was just like I hope you don't get researcher <laughs> and then immediately picks researcher and he's like, "Ah, oh. Um, so that was a good point. As soon as he did that, I'm like, okay, I'm playing Thanos. Um, cause like, I love Thanos on, uh, researcher and I just feel good about the play lines with it. Cause I think, uh, my, my low point, um, 15 with like Thanos, Star-Lord and Venom is probably my, my safe spot. Like that's my comfort zone. Okay. Like, I'd much rather play that than the, the Hulk CGR list, which is the only times I've played that list were at LVO. Um, because I added Hulk. He was the last minute add to my roster was Hulk. Um, and I'm just like, oh, I'll take him in case I want to play this 15-pointer, which I think is a little janky, but like it's just good models. And it turned out I played it twice. It yeah. was great. But uh, yeah, um, Brotherhood is something that I at least have some experience into. One of the locals here, uh, Birch, plays it all the time. And well, was, there, was this just kind of Thanos helped you keep control of this game? Or was there anything specific that stood out to you as kind of defining... Uh, again, I thought it was game I was going to lose because, like, dice did not go my way early on. So, like, he moved Hulk early to the middle researcher, and I was like, oh, okay. Like, this seems great. Not because I'll be able to control researcher. I know he has deception and can pull me off of it. But uh, it gives me a chance to banish Hulk, basically, from the game. Uh, so Thanos spaces himself forward, walks onto the researcher, and punches Hulk. And if I get the throw with my rerolls then I get to throw Hulk and then uh, I get to cosmic portal him and just send him behind his deployment zone, um, which is, you know, that's yeah. what I want to do. I want to hit him for one damage and have it be wild and then send him away. Um, but what happened is I cranked the damage and got no throw. And then I was like, Oh, I'll just go with my original plan, which is teleporting Hulk away. And I shouldn't have done that because I had nothing to gain from it. I should have, switched into teleporting Colossus and sending him into his deployment zone because he was being really cagey with his Colossus on a on a back uh, B okay. point. So that would have bought me an extra turn or two of not having to deal with the Colossus, just kind of being a jerk in the middle of the table. Uh, so instead, I just like move Hulk back, which he doesn't care about because he's got a ton of power and can get back into combat no problem. He deceptions my Thanos off the point, like towards his Hulk, and runs onto the midpoint with Mystique. Um... And then 
Uh, I have Pryo and I daze Mystique, I think, with my Venom. He's just in... Yeah, because he was in a spot where we had a weird size 3 garbage truck in that game. Like, we had a garbage truck there, and it was a little smaller, and we talked about it and then checked the bottom of it, and it was, says 3, so we're, we did this pre-game, so it wasn't a surprise to anyone. But Venom basically web swings over, shoots Mystique twice, falls up short, throws a garbage truck into her and dazes her. Um, and uh, then in response, his Hulk just two punches Thanos and from full. <laughs> and I'm like, I was not expecting this. He did a really good play, though. So, like, I had punched his Hulk for five. And so he had to... He spendered as his first activation with no matter the cost um, so that he could deal three more damage to him to get an extra point of damage on his attacks. And I'm like, oh, that's cute. Like, it's risky, but it's cute. Because uh, I thought he was going to come up short and I would patch him up and I'd be like, ha, 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 ha. And no, that <laughs> did not happen. Thanos died exactly. Uh, even with spending his rerolls and all the jank that he could do, he just came up short. Or he came up exactly. Uh, and then I was like, geez, I think I've, like, again, like... I have just Starlord left. You've got your whole team basically to go. I'm so far down on attrition. This Thanos without portals now is going to make Researcher a heck of a stronger game for him. Um, yeah. And then it was just like this uh, this kind of rotating dance of like hunting down toads and little scoring things and um, Venom and Starlord just like high-fiving their way across the table. Uh, and at the start of round three, I go all in on trying to kill Hulk. Um, cause I have prior gain as you expect. Yeah. Uh, so Venom takes a, doesn't have quite enough power to do everything he wants to do. He needs to get some damage in on Hulk to generate some power because he spent it all trying to kill Mystique. So he like takes his spender shot or not his spender, his, um, takes his, uh, builder shot on Hulk and gets death decreed and uses rerolls. And it's only going to cause, like, a damage. Oh, oh God. And I'm like, uh, I need a little bit more than that. Like, Star-Lord had lit him up a bit the previous turn, but, like, the, I need to cause, like, eight or nine damage to the Hulk this t- turn. And I've got, you know, two shots and a, and, um, a foreign assignment to do it. Uh, but he, like, goes, oh, I'll take the point of damage. So I'm like, okay, uh, good. And he's like, yep. I'm like, all right, for an assignment. He's like, oh, I should have fell back. I'm like, yeah, but now it's too late. <laughs> um, <laughs> and the foreign assignment goes pretty good and kills the Hulk. Uh, and I'm like, yeah. And then he gets to, like, shoot up Mystique a little bit more, too. And, like, after that point, once the Hulk's gone, he really didn't have anything to kill Thanos. Um, and that, it just started slipping away from him, where, like, I basically... Thanos got to waddle his way back to the research. And instead of porting people off, he was just punching people off and and causing damage. Um, well, I think we see it in yeah. basically every minis game. Nobody wins an event without having to come back from something that they felt like they were going to lose, right? You you dig yourself out of a hole some way. I think I dug myself out of like seven holes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's some, some hard-fought games. All right, so you go into the finals, um, and I will say, listeners, you should absolutely you know watch the final on on PCN. Yes, it was a Guardians game that was a mirror. It was also a literal mirror of the exact same characters that often had some mirrored deployment and even mirrored position of models on the table, but was still an incredibly, incredibly interesting 
game overall. And there are some really subtle choices that happened. Like at one point, CGR just literally stands there and was like, and that was the right call. Yep. I, I think he should have scooched back an inch or two. But yeah, it was yeah, basically I, I uh, the right call to not yeah. do anything. I'm not sure scooch back would be the term, but I was like scooch almost towards me where I was at at the judge spot. Like I almost kind of felt like get a little bit more behind that terrain. Maybe would have. Yeah. Uh, maybe there was some spot. Yeah. It, it's all pretty yeah. small. But yeah, but, like um, roughly we could make a, an argument that maybe he moves an inch or something. But in general, the not making an attacks with CGR might feel uh like feel like an uh, like an obscure notion to people who play CGR, right? Like that you the right decision. Right. Um but you know, obviously so in this is this is a game where you um you ended up winning priority and it sounded like that was not what you wanted. You would have much rather been the person without priority. Well, if I lose priority, there's a very good chance with our uh, secure extract combos that I get to get my 19 point list. And I think then I essentially, I steal prio and I have a good chance of winning, but I also one table side was quite a bit better than the other for that game. Um, because of where the building was, you could get to a spot where you couldn't get pulled off of the center researcher point on one side of the table and the side of the table that I had to play on, um, was yeah. worse and you could easily get pulled <laughs> off of it. <laughs> I, uh, so I'm like, okay, I, that's uh, the my only, fault. Uh, yeah. I, I set up that table very specifically. This was actually one of the games where someone came by and was like moving things a little bit. And I was like, nope, no, it's not like I've set this table up yeah. really specifically. Uh, I, you know, and I'm glad it proved to be interesting for the game. Yeah, it was really important. It was good. Um, I was like, I had prio. So I basically was like, okay, the only way I'm winning is killing a CGR. Like that's the point of having prio and a, and a mirror yeah. like that. And I think if you kill the CGR, like Hulk is dangerous, but he's not as dangerous as like a CGR. He's just like not the right thing to fight him. Um, and t- we also thought like it was a tabling kind of game. Um, cause it was a low scoring, uh, intrusions. I yeah. think it was intrusions and, uh, and researcher. researcher. Yeah, and a lot of teleporting happening, which was fun. Um, but yeah, I my whole game plan was like move Hulk in a spot where he lures the CGR out so that I can start the attrition, just like that other Guardians game I played. Um, except this game, I won't be able to like kill the CGR and keep Pryo, which is the problem if you run four wide, and that's why he ran three tall. Because um, if you have Pryo, can kill their CGR, and they still never get... Um, Prio back, like CGR basically gets one activation in the game and then dies on turn two, or days on turn two, killed on turn three. Uh, it's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I went for that. I got like a couple of points of damage on his, and then I put my CGR in a, a spot where it was slightly in the wrong spot because his Hulk was able to throw him away, and that sort of set the tempo back, and I was like, oh, I can't move and penance there him turn two, which is what I wanted to do anymore. It's like I was just in the wrong spot for it. Um, and so then I decided, oh, I'm going to go with my Hulk and try to kill his CGR. Because like, I don't think the math is bad because he didn't take Brace again. And so no, he had I'm Brace. Like, okay, I got some throw damage. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the game, he literally I had to just like... Because at the point that Hulk was gone, he hadn't played Brace. I only think you threw terrain at a character once. 
and he decided right. to take it. Yeah. But yeah, no, he had he had brace and sacrifice, and he didn't play either of them. He flipped them over at the end of like when we were going into that kind of semi last round. He was like, "Well, I can't." Right when I had to, yeah, like Hulk was off the yeah. table. He was like, "He just well, he's like, I have one character, so sacrifice does nothing, and uh, you don't have any throws left, so uh, brace does nothing." I know what he was doing. Is he was saving it for me throwing Hulk into CGR. Yeah. Which is, you know, the highest damage move you can make in basically yeah. a game. <laughs> uh, so it's like not a mistake to hold on to yeah. it for that. But um, we, the game just didn't end up that way. We didn't dogpile the middle like he thought we were going to do. Uh, and I came up like uh, a couple points short on a CGR. And I'm like, okay, well, that's fine, I guess. Um, and then he did a similar thing where he went up to He like beat up my Hulk and... We were just kind of scrapping and coming up short on each other, like by one quite a bit. Yeah, it was at least two key then, rolls on both sides where both sides left someone on like one health. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my Hulk was like really low. He was on like three or something. Uh, and I thought at the start of turn three, when I had Pryo and my Hulk was on three, I thought I'd won the game um, because I had about a 95% to one shot his CGR with a punch, like a regular old gainer. Um, and because I had. 10 dice with three rolls into a two health CGR. Uh, and I'm like, oh, yeah. you're dead. <laughs> like, uh, do I think I dealt one damage or I might have gotten blocked entirely? Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah, um, well, you, you did not end up killing him. And just sometimes those, the whiff at the right time is so scary. Yeah. That was the killer one because, like, if I kill him in that one punch, I had enough to hop to the portal, like, go through the portal and then spend her on his Hulk and probably kill his Hulk because his Hulk was only on like five or six yeah. at that point. Uh, and I think if I got the double days at the start of my turn, like then I can daze Star-Lord as well with my CGR and then score the researcher with my Star-Lord and yeah. like the game's done. Like, um, and that didn't happen. Uh, <laughs> instead what happened is um, I did the same game plan, which is kind of dumb in retrospect where I like pop through the portal and I just like, Chuck his Hulk or something like that, um, which doesn't do anything. His Hulk just like comes back to the spot he was in, and uh, well, if it wasn't for punches the my beam. Hulk and leaves him on like two or three <laughs> after the patch up, and then he like beams my entire team with another disgusting beam because his Hulk's on like nothing, so he's got all the bonus dice, and he I think he got lucky that he didn't one shot my team there, but he had a very good chance of one shotting my entire team with that beam. Uh, instead he leaves CGR on one and didn't use the rerolls. Um, and because of that, when he KO'd my Hulk, I was able to gotcha back with my CGR and daze his Hulk. leaves Star-Lord alive um, on one. And yeah, because you don't get that last right. attack. But I think your throw was good if, because we'd all kind of forgotten about the beam, right? Because the throw plus the fallback <laughs> meant that nobody was in range to be attacked for the second action. That's what I thought. I was yeah, looking at the table and I was like, right? this is so bad. And then I should have known that uh, Beam King, John Paul George, was uh-huh. was ready to beam. Oh, he's so good with beams, apparently. Yeah, yeah I, I learned a lesson. Yeah, I got schooled pretty hard on the beam yeah. train. Um, yeah, it was good. Uh, and then he had this amazing follow-up turn because like, I've got a one hit point CGR and a two hit point Star-Lord. So his Star-Lord pops through a portal and ghosts both of them and pops away. And I'm like, well, that's obnoxious because it let his CGR run to the corner and just be like safe. Yeah. Um, pretty sure that's what yeah, happened there. Sounds right. Um, yeah, and then he's up on points and he just time walked me. Uh, 
Whereas if he dazed me the turn before, I think I get a turn of moving around and attritioning and scoring points and like, because like I get Pryo back, I get to Galaxy's Greatest, I probably get to like either kill his CGR or his Star Lord or something like. Maybe my Star Lord hops yeah. into portal and kills his Star Lord. I'm not sure. You would what have would had to actually kill his Hulk, who would have had a couple of health left <laughs> as well. But um, right. But I, I think that would have been okay. Yeah. It still yeah, would have been like, not a, yeah, it was certainly not the end of the world for you. Um, it may have seemed bad yeah. to watchers, but you know, you're, you're, you, it wasn't KOing anyone but Hulk. Right. Um, and Hulk was dying um, anyway. And so, yeah, he yeah. was toast. He, like Starlord would have picked him off or something. Yeah. You can't just let him live. Exactly. Uh, yeah, it was just a wild game. And then, you know, uh, it comes down to this thing where at the very end, my my CGR just has to drive five and move and take a shot. And I'm like getting flashbacks of chasing down Daredevil here. Except it's not a one hit point Daredevil I have to kill. It's a full hit point CGR who's camping power in a corner. Like he's, you know, you're climbing into the rattlesnake down. Yep, yep. <laughs> and it comes down to him trying to um, kill your CGR and failing by one point. And... Yep, because of big dumb yeah. heroes, um, and uh, yeah, he even got his uh, his uh, dust to dust trigger on his uh, pennant stare, but that doesn't work on yes. CGR because <laughs> it turns them to skulls. <laughs> I think that was something that came up in a in a Reddit post where there was questions about a dust to dust being missed, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure you guys are talking about the one where it was on CGR, and it wasn't missed. It just doesn't do anything. Yeah, yeah. Because he's like, oh, I turned into blank. I'm like, nah, you're turning to skulls. And he's like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's weird because I was like, yeah. uh, And then I got lucky to... So, like, I don't think that penance there normally kills a CGR because he had no winging yeah. token and I did. And I had five defense dice. So, like, I think on average I survived pretty handily. But uh, the follow-up shot that he took, which dealt no damage, that is kind of unusual. And honestly, he spiked the heck out of his uh, penance there roll because I think he got 11 successes... Yeah, he got 11 successes on 12 dice uh, without re-rolls or wing hits or whatever. And I got five successes on five yeah. dice. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sounds, that, that sounds like what I, what I remember seeing. Um, yeah, it, it was yeah, exciting. It, it definitely, <laughs> uh, I feel like Watchers... Because I needed a winging it into two successes, I think. Yeah. Uh, it's what I had to do. And then I did it. And he's like, ugh. Uh, like skulls, but yeah again this comes back to what we were discussing earlier where the tactics card selection mattered a lot right yeah. where you know your patch up saves you five health and kind of preserves plays and then guardian's greatest is kind of turns around the game for you in the end whereas he had two yep. unused tactics cards at the end of the game well, we're talking about a game where basically came down to one health of damage yeah. on a guy. Like any little change, changes exactly. it. So yeah, for sure. So, well, Gregory, congratulations! It's good to have you. You know, joining the MCP community, kind of officially in a uh, in a public way, and um, you played some really great games. And so, uh, I assume you're planning to come back and continue your LVO luck next year. Oh, yeah. I like LVO. It's like kind of my tournament. Yeah. So I've had really good luck there. I think every time I've gone, I've won. So it's fun. Uh, and what was the response <laughs> like after you returned um, to Victoria? Like, is the is the community really supportive? You know, is everyone kind of following how you were doing? 
Uh, yeah, surprisingly, like uh, people were watching the stream and one of my friends said he was like, he shouted so loud at the the final dice roll that like his windows were oh. shaking in his <laughs> place and like, <laughs> uh, no, the, my, uh, my local community is super supportive. Like, uh, yeah, I think there's some like local pride to be like, yeah, like we may get killed by this guy occasionally, but like, he's also, yeah, he's killing you know, everybody. It's he's fine. Up there. At, at a certain point you're just like, yeah, make him, you know, some sort of monolith that is, you know, fun. It, it's fun for them too, I think. So that's great. Um, yeah, we're we've been talking about maybe getting a WTC team Sweet. together, not just like entirely Victoria, but like you know, kind of a core of some Victoria people and going and doing that. And then I'm going to try to encourage people to go and travel a little bit more for tournaments, so that we're not just like people on an island. Because like you know, go to go to Seattle, go to Vancouver a bit for those events, and just like make some day trips. Well, you know, we'd love to have so. you down at uh, at Mox anytime. I yeah. love Mox. Mox is a great venue. Yeah. So, no, that'd be fun. Well, so before we wrap up the episode, do you have any shout outs that you want to do to either, um, it could be locals that helped you get up to speed, your game store, or were there, were there shows that you were listening to that helped you get up to speed in the last six months? Anything that you want to shout out, feel free. Uh, well, sure. I mean, funny enough, I listened to your podcast before I played the game when I was just like, I just need something to listen to at the gym and I can't listen to the 40 K podcast. <laughs> Cause like, they're just, uh, you know, um, so I'm just like, I don't really even know what they're talking about, but like the, the way they're talking about like stratagems and play decisions and stuff. I'm just like, Oh, it's interesting to listen to. So like, I don't know what any of these models do or what their threat levels are, but like, it's just interesting to hear a little bit of that chatter. So that was fun. Um, yeah. Thanks for doing that. Uh, there's also, Birch, who always opens his home up to people on Fridays, he's like kind of our local MCP uh, community builder. So, like, I think uh, that's a big Shout part because there wouldn't be builder. a community yeah. in town without him. Yeah, every Friday he just opens his house up to like ten or twelve people and says, you know, we're just going to play games until people are done with it. Um, so, yeah, that's I, I think that's the real the heart of how the communities get going. Is you need someone to like make gaming fun and easy and approachable and not just the game store so yeah you know in this day and age especially post covid and everything making Mm -hmm. it making it easy and comfortable and welcoming for people to play games is really the kind of fundamental core foundation that everything else rests on yeah and it changes the i don't know it changes a lot it's almost like you know you could have a beer and play a game or you know you're not feeling like you have to do something in a certain way or watch your models at any point or exactly. Yeah. It, it's a clubhouse, you know? Nice. Yeah. Nice. Uh, was that, was that it for shout outs? I didn't want to interrupt you. I, I think so. I mean, there's a lot of great people in our community, but uh, I'd be yapping forever. Yeah. Until we get bored. <laughs> fair, fair. <laughs> well, Gregory, it's been an absolute blast to have you on. Um, it was really, it was really great to hear your your insight. Even though we were on polar opposite ends of the spectrum when it comes to favorite crisis cards, um, still, oh yeah, <laughs> um, still, still is really interesting to dive into. And I'm glad that you're bringing Patch Up back. So, props to that. I hope so. I hope more people take it because it's good, it, man. You should. It look really at is. It. I think it it is certainly an underappreciated underappreciated card. So. Well, listeners, I think this is the time that we close out and I will say the most OP thing that you can do 
is have a Guardians on Guardians final determined by playing a card called Guardians Greatest. Later, nerds.